So let's jump into our word this morning. You're going to want to turn to Isaiah chapter 60. Um, Isaiah chapter 60, uh, you could go in a smart Bible, you can um, open up your leather bound if you feel like the movie theater gives you enough light to read that, um, or of course, you can read on screen, but I always love it when you use your own device or Bible, because it really helps you circle, underline, or sometimes some of us have visual memories, and so seeing it where it is on the page helps you memorize things a little bit better. So we're going to jump into Isaiah Chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. It says this, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth. Now, this is written 200 years or more before. This is spoken and written 200 years uh, uh, before Jesus was ever born, but how many would say that, hey, darkness seems to be rising around, uh, come on, America and the world we live in too, all right? You, you've seen darkness anywhere around you or maybe in your workplace or maybe in your families or maybe in the content that is delivered to us on our TV sets and, and created in movies or the porn industry and websites and all this. Come on, darkness is increasing, okay? So darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. Verse 3, all nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Come on. I, I, I love prophecy. I love Christmas time. If you ever question God, the legitimacy of the Bible, or any of this stuff we call Christianity, at Christmas time is a perfect time to be convinced more than ever that God's word is real and you can stand on it, that it is your mighty support. Uh, the, the Bible has 330 prophecies in them, okay? Um, or, or more than 330 uh, uh, prophecies because only 330 were prophesied about Jesus Christ himself. Now, let me say something. In order for something in Scripture to be considered a prophecy, it's got to go through a scrutinous four-part criteria. Number one, it has, to be, um, uh, it has to be spoken before an event ever happened, it has to be spoken by someone who has nothing to do with the fulfillment of it coming to fruition. Come on, you ain't a prophet if you're like, I believe we're going to have ice cream tonight, and then you front the ice cream cost later on. That ain't no prophecy, okay? Um, <laughs> it's also got to be specific in nature. It can't just be vague. Something good's about to happen. No, it needs to be specific. And then finally, number four, uh, its fulfillment has to be exactly matching the prophetic declaration that happened uh, sometime before. Isaiah is prophesying 200 years before Jesus' birth, and yet Jesus' birth came into fruition like this. 330 prophecies are in your Old Testament that are come to fruition and fulfillment in Jesus Christ alone at his birth, life, and crucifixion. Let me give you the odds of that actually happening, okay? This is why you should be convinced of the Bible and its legitimacy. One reason. Here's why. If just eight of those 330 were fulfilled, it would be 
the same likelihood as if we filled up the entire state of Texas with silver dollars two feet deep, <laughs> the whole state. There's only one magic marked silver dollar, and you get only one pick in the entire state to try to pick up one and get it right. Guys, that's if only eight out of 330 come to fruition with that much specificity. Come on. I spit that one out. (laughs) Comes by someone who didn't uh, speak the oracle. Come on. This is why it's so profound. And yet I love what Isaiah 60 is saying. And it says this. This is just one prophecy where it says this. It says that a light is coming for all nations. And it says mighty kings will come to see your radiance. We three kings of Orient are uh, bearing gifts we've traveled so far. And he goes on to say, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. That song was all about kings traveling to a light. And listen, we can think that it's getting dark in our times, but I need you to understand that it was never darker than in the time that Jesus was born into. Jesus was born into a time where there was mandated male abortion for every single child that was ever birthed. Okay, so it is not as dark as it is now, yet we still see the need for a light, do we not? We need a light to burst out into our darkness. I don't care if it's a macro darkness where I'm talking about like, hey, in 2022, uh, we, we, we need God to move. Or if it's in just in my world, in my family, in my workplace, you can apply this uh, um, to both micro and macro because we need God to break forth. And the Bible says that these three kings came looking for Jesus Christ. We call them the wise men. Now, what I like about Scripture is there's all kinds of kings, but if you've read it long enough, you're going to find out there are wretched kings, there are terrible kings, (laughs) there are forgettable kings, there are selfish kings, there are also great kings, there are humble kings, There are kings who aren't even really kings, and there's the king of kings. Can I get an amen? All right? The three wise men are actually kings who aren't even really kings. Matthew chapter 2 describes them as um, magi. Look at this. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, magi weren't necessarily royalty. They worked close with royalty. They were actually observers of the stars. They were observers of nature. They would, we would probably use the modern term scientists for a magi because they were observant of nature and the stars. And what I love about these three wise men is wise enough scientists are aware enough to know something, some sort of mastermind is behind this the closer I study this and I realize there must be an almighty God and creator and I believe his son is coming to the earth. Come on, that's what a wise scientist looks like. 
I find the more I get to know science and nature, the more I start seeing the brilliance of God's intricacies. I mean, I, I can't rattle off everything, but I've studied some things as much as like, it takes something like, I don't know, 81 muscles for you to smile, and you don't, you don't think twice. There's a mastermind behind that. We aren't just two atoms that collided and, oops, something cool and, and, and very accidentally awesome came out. No, no, no. True scientists know. I've studied the stars. I've studied nature. I've studied how you have supplied life even for the antelope. Come on. I have seen and I know there is a brilliant creator behind this all. And so I'm searching for him. I'm longing for him. And see, you got to ask this question then. Did the prophecy get it wrong that mighty kings would come to see him? No, kings would come to Jerusalem to see him. But I have to say this, that the first kings were kings who aren't even really kings. Come on. I believe God, who never makes mistakes, was trying to write and define something new for us. Kings are not defined by royalty or by your lineage and birth. I believe God is saying kings are ones who seek him, long to discover him, and bring him our best gifts. Oh, come on. Kings are not defined by lineage and birth and royalty. I believe God's saying, I don't make mistakes. Listen to this. Listen. True kings are the ones who seek him out, long for him, and bring him our greatest gifts. And in this series, I want to focus on some discipleship elements of our faith looking at the wise men for three weeks and discovering what these three kings can tell us about being a king who's not even really a king, yet God defines us as a king. And let me tell you on the front, God calls us to royalty. God calls us to be co-heirs with his royalty. God calls us to be kings and priests. And we can be that when we realize that it's not about birth and lineage, it's all about my pursuit. And if I can gain the same pursuit as these wise men, I can live a life as kings and queens. Come on. I believe this for us, and I want to see kings rise up in the church of Jesus Christ. Anybody else? Come on. Can I get an amen? All right. Then let's, let, let's get into week one, but let's enter in with prayer. Father, many of us don't feel like kings. Many of us feel far off from kings. Many of us may not be convinced we can become kings. But, Father, from these three simple magi who you call kings, Father, they, they, they fulfilled your prophecy before any other king. And, Father, I believe you did it on purpose, and I pray we fulfill your prophecy that when you knit us in our mother's womb, you knew the greatness on us. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that we can bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ by the way we live and who we pursue in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Like, amen. Get that junk all on me. Like, get that prayer all over me. Okay, yeah. Come on. Sound man's like, don't hit the mic when you do that. I got you. My B, bro. We, we tight. I just wanted to get that prayer on me. It was in middle school that I started discovering my gifts. I, I've told you a little of this story, so if you've heard this before, bear with me, but I'm going somewhere with this. In middle school, I started realizing that I had a musical gift and I got into a band and we started having some early success started being paid as 14 years old to play music on a weekly regular basis and I learned this from that moment I can make money from my gift then 
uh, the more I pursued it, better bands started recruiting me, and I got to sit in with other bands when my band wasn't playing, and I got to have opportunities to start playing with better musicians, and I started realizing I can make a name for myself through this gift. Then... I started working with a record label, and I started getting to lay down tracks for studio musicians, and my band got, went in there, and we cut a few songs, and I got to be a, a part of two different CDs, and I started realizing I could make a legacy for myself with my gift. Then, um, as we were graduating high school, our band leader, the, the student leader of the band, wrote me a handwritten letter because every once in a while we butted heads a few times or two. But he wrote a letter that said that I, I need you to understand that you are a leader. You, you have always been a leader and I see you that way. I want to tell you that the power of words, even from a peer or a parent or a mentor, are strong. This was the first time I realized I am a leader as a gift then uh, our, our band started playing in in a way that start, began um, uh, uh, becoming popular in the local area and and we started expanding and expanding and and we put it all together in a band in college and uh, i started realizing that we were touring everywhere and i wanted to make a career out of music and these gifts and i started studying business and i realized this here's what i must have been made for through these gifts now, I say all this to say that no matter the level of success that we did, did you notice how many eyes were associated with the gift? It was all selfish in nature. It was all immature in nature. It was all about myself because I had not yet realized yet that the God Almighty had put these gifts in it for in me. And I had not yet gotten there. And that's a part of immaturity growing up into maturity. But what I noticed was no matter the level of success... It was all empty. I wrote it this way, like a drunken intoxication that wears off in a couple hours, always wanting more the next time, or like a worn-off lust, leaving us with regrets, yet an insatiable need to do it again. I was finding my pursuits growing in notoriety, yet lacking in fulfillment. Bigger, bigger, empty, empty. Bigger, bigger, cool, it's fleeting. It moves away for a moment. Where's the fulfillment? Where's the lasting fulfillment? I was trying to identify with my gifts, and yet God sent someone in my path who brought me to a life-giving church like this, a youth ministry like Soul Youth. And when I got in there, I remember on the third week, I started lowering my guards and letting it be less about me, and I realized that Jesus Christ didn't die to be a historical moment or write a really cool book that we could leather bound and it would be the best seller of all times he did it for me to die and to forgive me of my sins and so I, I gave my life to the Lord on August 21st, 2002. He radically forgave me, radically touched my life and forgave me, but I still was trying to use my gifts my way. And so I can remember going back to the bar rooms, going back to the frat parties, going back to the gigs, anyone who would pay us top dollar to perform for them. And I was off the campus of Ole Miss in the number one party bar they had after Ole Miss won a football game, which is very rare. Okay. <laughs> Ole Miss, poor Ole Miss. Okay. 
And I remember they won, and I remember the bar room being absolutely full. And I remember halfway through the wor- uh, not worship set, I remember halfway through playing, I was standing in the back playing the bass, and I, rem- I felt like God met me in a bar room. And I remember God saying, even though I had in-ears in my, and, and, and all this music going on, I remember God saying, open your eyes and tell me what you see. And I opened my eyes, and when I looked up, I just saw people going nuts because they were celebrating another good played song. And I said, God, I see a worship set. I felt like God said, that's right, it is a worship set. Now tell me, who are they worshiping? And I was like, me. Oh, my goodness, us. Like, I I made a decision that night that I can't use the greatest gift God's given me to glorify myself. From now on, I want to use gifts to bring him glory. And come on, these wise men were the first to this revelation. They were the ones who realized we are people of means. We are people near royalty. We are people with large amounts of wisdom and wealth. And we want to use our gifts to go seek after Jesus Christ and place them at this baby's feet instead of placing them on the altar of the world, instead of placing them on the altar of notoriety, instead of placing them on the altar of popularity. We're going to leave popularity and wander into nothingness. We're going to wander into um, uh, obscurity and just seek after Jesus Christ. Because nothing else matters except finding the king. And you're not going to want to miss a week of this series. I'm not going to talk a tremendous amount longer in this message. But next week, we're going to talk about pursuing God through every season of life. Because these wise men had to go through cold mountain nights and through hot desert days just to get to Jesus Christ. And there are some of us who can identify that in Christianity, there are some glorious moments where it feels like the Garden of Eden. And there's other times where you feel closest to throwing in the towel, like I'm in a desert season of my life, and we're going to talk about that next week, and, and, and on the third week, we're going to talk about how they had to deal with Herod and the wisdom of wise men, so if you know anyone who could benefit from those two things or in a tough season, invite them out for the next two weeks, but for this week, I want to give you the first principle of living like a king. The only principle I'm going to preach today is this right here. Write this down. True kings leave their own lands and interests to bring God the best they have. True kings leave their own land and interests to bring God the best they have. Let me ask a question. What would have become of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus had the Magi not shown up with uh, fortuitous gifts to provide means for their early journey. Sure, I believe that God would have raised somebody else up to bring and to, to, to bring wealth to Jesus' ministry so that Mary and Jesus, uh, uh, Mary and Joseph could ultimately take them to Egypt and, 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 and then back again. But somebody had to provide that. I believe he would have raised up another person. But here's my point. The Magi would have never entered the God story. 
Come on. I don't want you to miss entering the God story that God has given every single one of us a gift. And when we bring that gift to Jesus Christ, we get to enter the God story. The God story of Jesus making a difference in people's lives. First in the sinner who needs salvation, but then in the broken, in the disconnected, in the isolated, in the hurting, in the despairing, in the hungry, in the thirsty, in the ill, in the sick, in the locked up. Come on. God has got a plan and when we bring our gifts to him am I the only one excited today when we bring our gifts to him I'm telling you you get to enter the God story come on this whole word is not about having a fun magical time on Sunday mornings this is about entering into the God story that he said he touched my life and he wants to touch my neighbor's life he wants to touch my family's life he wants to touch my co-workers life he wants to touch the ball players on my kids teams lives come on he's got a plan and I'm just gonna bring my gift and I'm gonna believe that I too like the wise men can enter into God's story by the gift he's given me come on write this down God gives kings gifts and then he trusts them to use it not just for yourself but to further his kingdom come on this is a revelation I had to get to leave it on the screen so we can write it down God gives kings gifts and then trust them to use it not just for yourself but to further his kingdoms Romans 12 verse 1 rattles off a few gifts after first saying this. So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your whole body. Like give all of yourself, the Amplified Version says. Give all of it, not just your gifts. Give all that you have to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him we three kings are willing to travel so far bearing gifts we'll travel as far as it takes field and fountain more whatever a more is and a mountain i'm willing to travel that far i thought that was funny some of y'all must know what a more is i don't know what a more is okay some of y'all were like it deeply touched me when they sang more in verse one because i've been in a more before and you're like no you haven't okay <laughs> Because if you have, you didn't even know you were in one. <laughs> I'm willing to do this because this is the way to worship him. If it looks like that for three kings, and if he says it in Paul, Paul says that in Romans 12, 1, then we have to pay attention. And look how generous Paul says to be with your gifts. He says to give it all, and he says this, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, serve them well. Come on, this isn't new to you. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability take the responsibility seriously and if you have a gift for showing kindness to others do it gladly in other words God gives kings gifts and then trust them to use it not just for yourself but to further the kingdom and speaking of gifts 
Can we one more time give it up for our dream team? I will never stop celebrating our dream team because, listen, what I get to do is just one gift. It's a speaking gift, but everybody has gifts, and my gift is no more important than your gift. And when the dream team comes together and brings their gifts, come on, it truly is a dream because we get to advance the kingdom of God on earth. And so we took some time two nights ago, and we celebrated our dream team. I want you to see the fun that we had together we we we, we had some laughs together um we, we we had some food together go to that next one come on we our kids had some fun too because kids need to learn to love church as well but just show a few of those pictures that it was just an incredible time celebrating our dream team because proverbs says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed and so can we give it up for our dream team one more time by the way, if you're a dream teamer and you couldn't make our party, we just got a simple ornament to help you understand the difference you make. I pray that you'll just put this on your tree every single year. Ten years from now, your kids are going to go, what is that? And you're going to say, I made a difference developing a church, building a church, being a part of a church that was touching people's lives. And um, I, God used us in the midst, and he's going to use you too. Come on. It's just a simple ornament. Make sure you get this at the Resource Center if you're a dream teamer and you didn't get one on Friday night. And so I'm just really excited because the three wise men's gifts were faith, wisdom, and wealth. And despite people's popular opinion, they didn't do it like this meme that a few people sent to me um, uh, this week, knowing I was going to talk about the wise men. Uh, people thought this was pretty wise, that the wise men showed up to Jesus and said, just to be perfectly clear, these gifts are for your birthday and Christmas. <laughs> No, I believe the wise men were generous beyond all they could. They sacrificed as much as they could to provide for the kings. And so the three kings wouldn't have been kings had they kept their things. Can I say that one more time? The kings would never have been kings had they kept their things. And I would never have been fulfilled had I kept my musical or leadership gifts to build my own name. God had a plan all along to use it to build his name. And I'm not saying that you're going to stand on this stage one day. Maybe you are called to, and God is saying it's time to step out and start using the gift God put in you, not to hide it, not to put it under a bowl, but to stick it up on a light on a mountaintop for the whole world to see so that they see there is a light in the midst of a darkness. Come on. You might have a, a, a singing gift. You might have a guitar gift. You might have a preaching gift. You might have a prayer gift. And you're like, Pastor, I don't like praying on the mic. But sometimes people need to see some light shining out come on and maybe your gift is behind the scenes and that's okay because the light is shining bright there too and God uses those gifts to touch other people just write this down we find fulfillment in giving our gifts back to God this is what I discovered this is what I believe the three kings would tell you they discovered we find fulfillment in giving our gifts back to God don't take as long as it took me to figure out that the gifts are not for building your name. The gifts are for lifting up his name. And you'll never find fulfillment without tying it to building the kingdom of God. Oh, you might make a buck. Oh, you might make friends. You might get 4,000 followers online. And then you'll wake up and go, for what? Until you tie it to the king of kings. 
And when you tie it to the king of kings, God starts calling people who aren't even really kings, kings. We three kings. God called them kings in a prophecy. And God calls us royalty as well. And so we need to step into that. What gift will go unfulfilled if you don't use it to advance the kingdom? What gift will go unfulfilled if you don't use it for the kingdom? So let me close with three quick things. What can I do to live like a king this week? Number one, sign up for Next Steps if you haven't already. One of the reasons we say to sign up for Next Steps is because we help you discover your gifts. In week one, you'll learn a little bit more about our church. You'll learn a little bit more about how we're set up in governance and our values and our mission and how we're trying to reach the Eastern Shore. And we'll get to tell you more about that. In step two, you're going to discover your gifts. And some of you might have done this before, but it's been a minute, and you need to discover again. Or maybe the enemy's had too long to get up in your head and start telling you you ain't no good at anything. Come on, you, you're a waste of space. That gift isn't very strong. Let us help you discover God's gift he's put in you, and then in week three, we'll help you see how you can make a difference right here. So sign up for next steps, which is your next step for many of you to take in your spiritual journey. Then, here's the second thing you could do. Second thing is to serve on our dream team. Maybe you've already taken next steps before, but hey, you could take next steps and not necessarily jump into active doing anything. And I want to encourage you that the team needs you. More importantly, you need the team. Here's why. You're never going to find your greatest community until you're on a team of people and you start getting to know each other's names. You start praying for one another. You start um, fulfilling a mission God's given us to reach people together as a team. That's why we call it the dream team because look around, this can't be done by one or two people. And God meant it to be that way because you have value and you've got a place. I was so excited to pray with two brand new dream teamers who are on our prayer team and right before we came out here I watched them pray over every seat for you I watched them go into kids room and pray over every single seat and then right after the dream team huddled we stood together right behind a curtain you couldn't see it because I didn't want to weird you out if it's your first time back to church but I believe in the power of prayer and we stood behind a drape and we just began to pray two young boys decided to join us middle schooler young high schooler they said, we'll pray too. Five of us just holding hands, praying for God to move today. And I believe he's showed up. And I believe he's trying to touch your heart today. And then finally, number three, you can give in the legacy offering. Nothing is more powerful than bringing our best to the king of kings. You, know, you might think, pastor, what if things are tight? Well, Jesus once boasted about a widow who gave less than a penny. And he said, she brought two mites, and she brought more than anybody else here. The Bible says that everybody else gave out of their abundance. Like, this isn't hard, this isn't painful to give from. She gave all that she had. She gave sacrificially, and God recognized her. Another widow didn't just give her gift of hospitality to the prophet Elijah, but she gave the last of her resources, and she gave her flour. And God says that she filled God's... The Bible says that God filled every single one of her flower jars, that she was more full after she gave than she was before she did. 
So we can try to tell ourselves, I shouldn't participate, or I, I, I don't have much to give, or I give up my time and my resources, uh, give up my time and my talent. And that's a good thing, but it never eliminates that we should bring to King of Kings our treasure too. And for some of us, that might be our gift. That's our strong suit. We're like, hey, this is easy. This is what I've made for others. It's like, it's a sacrifice. And God calls it a sacrifice of praise. Let me be very clear. Am I trying to get an extra penny from you? I'm really not. I'm really not. I just know that when you see good soil and you sow your seed into it, God knows how to make it multiply 30 60 and 100 fold and that might be for your estate but more importantly it might be for the kingdom of god's estate and so you are putting your treasure into something that will last in eternity not just through your next coffee run come on chicken nuggets are not fulfilling past an hour and a half after you spend it and you're like that satisfied me for an hour and a half now i need another buck or seven but when you give to the things of God, you're going to see he knows how to take two loaves and five fish, or I might have it backwards either way. It's five and two. You're with me. And he knows how to multiply it to build the kingdom of God. Can I get an amen? I like what the Milligans say. Pray it like this. God, give it to us to get it through us to bless others. Some of y'all are like, oh, I'm going to adopt that right now in my prayers. God, give it to us to give it through us to bless other people. And so next week we'll have the opportunity to be like the three kings and bring our best to God. I close with Matthew 2. I went longer than I wanted to. Matthew 2 says this about the wise men. Filled with joy, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave them gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And may we find the same fulfillment in giving our gifts to Jesus too. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, I pray that every good gift which comes from our Father from above be given back to you. God, we know that you know how to use our gifts, whether they're humble, unrefined, a work in progress, you know that we bring, when we just bring the best we have, like the singer who's not so good at singing, I myself, talking about myself, yet you call it a sweet sound when I give it to you in, in, in worship. Father, I pray that wherever it starts for each of us, let us not hide our gifts under a bowl. Let us not use them selfishly up on ourselves. But Father, I pray that you would use them to build and advance the kingdom of God. And in the meantime, I pray that you bless each household. You'd bless their families. I pray promotions. I pray progress. I pray um, advancement. I pray that you would put your people in places of favor so that God, your kingdom can be advanced even further. Once again, not for our name's sake and not because we did anything to deserve it, but because you're a good God and you love to bless your children. So, Father, I pray a blessing over your people. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace in Jesus' name. And with every head still bowed and every eye still closed, if you're in this place and you're far from God, I need you to understand that true kings leave their own lands and interests to bring God the best they have. And that's what the king of kings did. He left his own land and throne called heaven 
to come down. And God gave the greatest gift he ever had, his son Jesus Christ, not to be a chain of necklace on your, um, uh, on your chain or to be tattooed on your neck, but for you to realize that Jesus Christ loves you so very much and you are worth dying for. There's a problem called sin. Your sin will keep you out of heaven. So if you die without your sin being dealt with, God's going to turn his face away much like he turned his face away from his very own son. Why did he turn his face from his son? Because he was carrying your sin and my sin. It was detestable to God and he turned his face from him. But he did that so that if an innocent man pays the price for a guilty person like you and I, then the guilty person can become innocent. It's the greatest exchange ever if we allow his blood to cover us. And you're like, whoa, you lost me there. It just simply means this. I choose to say, God, I want to be under the cross. I want to be covered by the sacrifice Jesus paid for my sins. And if you're in this place today and you say, hey, I need to get right with God and my sins are in the way, today you can be forgiven by what Jesus has already done. Every eye is already closed. Every head is bowed. No one's looking around. And I won't call you forward or embarrass you. But it's a moment to get right with God. If you're in this place and something's wrestling inside and you know it's time to get right with him, would you just boldly throw your hand up in the air real quick so I know who I'm praying for today. Thank you. You're awesome. Come on. I love your courage. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. If you're online, you say, include me in that prayer too. Come on. Today's your day to get free of those things you've wondered about in your life because God knows. And he says, I gave my son to cover him. Come on. With, with everybody together, especially those who raise their hands and even those who wanted to, let's pray out loud a simple prayer declaring Jesus as Lord. Say with me, Live Church. Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. You take away the sins of the world. And I am the chief of all sinners. I know I've messed up. I've made mistakes. And I'm asking you to forgive me of the mistakes I made. Jesus, thank you for doing it just for me. I believe in you, and I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, we pray. And the church said, amen and amen. Come on.